0: Welcome to the Eat Well Sleep Great Run Far Podcast. My name is Will Franz and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes drop me a comment i'm happy to help you out now let's get on with the episode sweet we're live. let's get rolling so today we're going to talk about some ways to maybe optimize training so that you can save time because if we're looking at like the primary complaint when it comes to ultra training of like the hardest thing when it comes to training for ultra these long distances is time it's time management it is making the most of your Your training schedule and pardon me (coughs) for a lot of people we don't need to train more we need to train better don't get me wrong training for an altar takes a a lot of time if you want to run 100 miles you are probably going to hit a peak week of maybe 10 plus hours at some point in your training cycle but that should probably not be a year-round thing for you Um, One, it might lead to injury, and two, it's just not really necessary. You have a life, you have other things to do. So these like constant 10 plus hour training weeks are probably shooting you in the foot more than they're helping. So these are going to be five ways to kind of optimize our training and increase our productivity so that we don't end up with as many issues. So first is make the most of your run training. This is... Running is obviously the bulk of your, your training as an ultra-athlete and should be pretty obvious like if you want to run far, you need to run far and you need to run a lot and if we can maximize some of that run training it should save a lot of time So first off, we need to not spend a ton of time running in what we might call a metabolic dead zone So this is what me and a lot of other people did when they first started out with running, and this is what I did in my early 20s and a lot of people do in general. You go, you run kind of as hard as you can, for as long as you can, you burn out, then you do it again the next day, or you maybe take a day off and do it later. What we really need to do is spend a lot of time, like very easy, and a little time pretty hard. And very easy is probably easier than many people recognize, a lot of people watching this might have a pretty good idea of their easy zone but in general easy means easy you should have you should be able to hold a conversation, you should be able to speak in full paragraphs you should probably be able to breathe through your nose and just cruise. If you're using heart rate this is somewhere definitely sub 75% of your max heart rate Um, the, the math, the math tone estimates are Fine, which is like 180 minus your age plus a bunch of variables, but if we know our max heart rate through some kind of test, it is much more likely that it is 70 75 percent. This is where you want to spend the large majority of your time. You'll hear things like 80 20, so 80. 80% of your training should be done in this low zone, whereas 20% should be done in a higher zone. And that is true when it comes to, like, sessions. So when Steven Seiler did that assessment, and when Matt Fitzgerald like wrote the whole book on 80-20 running, the assessment was made in ratio of sessions. So if you went out and it was an intensity session, it was counted as the 20% and then if the goal was low and slow it was counted as the 80% if we look at like overall time it's actually closer to 90% of time spent in your low zone so the vast majority of your running should be low, slow, and easy You'll and again you'll hear things like conversational pace or speak in full paragraphs um, this is a pretty good assessment for most people I do not fall exactly into that range, because I have terrible nasal passages, um, so I struggle to breathe. I've restricted breathing. So I can be walking up a hill, my heart rate can be lo- hovering around like 135, and I still might struggle to like have a full conversation or speak in full paragraphs. So you kind of have to know you, this is why heart rate can be helpful for some people, but. When we're looking at training, your running should be a lot of low and slow, like 90% of overall time, and then 10% a lot faster. And if we're looking at like periodizing throughout a year, then we can look at weaknesses starting early. So if you have a bunch of speed to build, start with that farther away from your race if you have to work on your aerobic base then start that farther away from your race but if you have a weakness that you really want to correct start working on that early and also specificity if you're running a 100 miler you're going to be moving low and slow for the majority of that time and so we can move or so we want to end up being very specific closer to our race So if you've been running for quite a while, you probably want to do a good amount of speed training a little farther from your race, build your speed as you get closer, move a little more into what race day might actually look like, and that would include some like hill training or up and downs or practicing specifics about your race. But if we can maximize our run training, stay out of a metabolic dead zone, we can cut a bunch of time without actually sacrificing our training in fact our progress would probably get even better so this is why i really like to do a couple of basic test runs at the beginning of any training cycle and that would be like figure out your critical speed so that you know what um, that intense high intensity session is because anything over that will start to get you faster and then kind of know what your aerobic base zone is so that your not just working in that place that's providing you minimal benefit. Second thing would be effective strength training. So I'm seeing more and more coaches talk about strength training and I'm stoked about it because I, I love it. I think it's helpful. It has helped me with a bunch of injuries um, without having to get procedures or see a lot of people. Strength has been very big in my life and big for a lot of people I know and I'm going to dive more into this next week next week's going to be a whole thing on strength training but suffice to say is if all you really care about is your running performance then your strength training should probably be fairly short and very targeted if you have other goals be they aesthetic or muscle growth or climbing then you might want a more expansive program covering more muscle groups but if you don't have those goals and all you care about is running you can get away with less. We want to get some sort of full body program largely targeting the legs and specifically tailored to help you build up whatever deficiencies or weaknesses you might have and keep you safe and try and build up or reduce your risk for injury So, for example, bicep curls can be great if you are looking to climb or want bigger biceps. But if all you care about a run it is running, probably not a thing you need to do very often, if at all. Third tip I really have is cut stuff you don't need. So this kind of leads off the last one with the bicep curls, but for example, I did a whole video Um, a while ago on tendon strengthening and for some people that is super helpful like me I do not have particularly strong tendons some people in here have some proclivities towards tendon stuff and if that's you that is it should be a key part of your program you do a few times a week if you have never had a tendon issue and never really even felt a twinge in your like soft tissue injuries then That does not need to be a part of your program. Same with, like, back to strength training. If you are fairly new, or you're mid-season, or you have a race in six to eight weeks, you shouldn't be doing a ton of strength sessions per week. We should still include some sort of strength training, maybe some sort of skill work, but that might look like hill sprints and a couple things for your hamstrings. It does not need to be this, like, three hours per week in the gym, if you don't have a ton of time, or you're fairly new to strength training. When we look at volume recommendations from a lot of coaches, you'll see things like 10 to 20 sets per week or whatever, and while that's great, a lot of those studies are done on fairly well-trained college students. They're not done on people who have just started lifting, they're not done on people who are have a bunch of other priorities or are running 10 hours per week. So are we should cut the things we don't need and that includes like excess work so that we're not putting too much stress. 800 repeats are also a thing that aren't relevant for a lot of ultra runners. They're great if you're in a speed phase. If you've been running low and slow and you have this really nice base built up and the fastest way to make you better is get really fast <laughs> then 800 repeats around a track, super helpful right? But for a lot of people, they're not a big thing. You might actually be better off with some more hill work or building up your walking or working on form or figuring out how to hydrate better. And you can also cut things like long drives to your favorite trail. And while they're great and we should maybe go there on the weekend to enjoy it because we should enjoy our training. A 30 minute road run is better than fuck it. I don't have time today because I don't have time to get to the trail. We're still building our aerobic base, we're still building our fitness so that should be a huge... that should be our priorities getting fitter, enjoying our training to some degree and like maximizing our time if you have... if you only have time for a 30 minute run around your house on a weekday then maybe that's kind of where you are for a little while that's where I am currently for the most part I don't have a lot of time to get out there so I end up running on the roads a lot, even though it's not my favorite thing. And then, again, like there's, there's any amount of stuff you don't need to do to get better at this sport. So if something helps you, that's great. If not, cut it. Be pretty ruthless about it. This sport is very time-consuming. Our lives are very time-consuming. So if you're doing something that doesn't seem to be providing you benefit, and it is causing stress or taking up a chunk of your, your week, cut it out. Um, or talk to somebody and see if there's a way you can make it more efficient and effective. Then we're looking at like priorities. For most people, we would say frequency is probably the biggest priority. If you've been running for a long time, like 5, 10, 15 years, this might not be as valid. For most people, the more often you can practice, the better your results are going to be. So, six 30-minute runs per week will likely provide you with better, faster progress than three one-hour runs per week Largely because running is very skill intensive and the more often you can practice a skill the more results you're likely going to see. And We see this with a lot of things. If someone is trying to get better at pull-ups they can hang a pull-up bar in their office door every time they walk under it do one. It is not enough to fatigue you or really gain any functional amount of strength but it'll make a lot of progress because of the skill practicing. This is called, uh, Paul Tsatsaline calls it greasing the groove and this is a general concept we can apply to any work that has a skill component to it and running is definitely a skill-based, strength-focused endurance sport So, get your frequency in first Don't put all of your volume into one day on the weekend Then, once we have frequency, you'll add volume or intensity depending on where you are like for me, I have a lot of intensity background. I did a lot of sprinting sports, and a lot of explosive work. So, a couple strides per week is plenty enough to keep that sprinting form and speed. Of course, I really need to start adding volume onto my frequency. If somebody else has been running frequently with a good amount of volume for quite amount of to- quite a bit of time, then they might actually trim volume for a little while, and increase their intensity to crank their speed up. But figure out what your background is, what your lowest hanging fruit is to hit your goals, and then add that on top of frequency. This doesn't need to be permanent, it shouldn't be permanent. Again, we want to periodize training in relation to like weaknesses and specificity for our race. So again, if you're running a 100 miler, we're going to crank volume going into that peak week for 100 miler. You need to get used to running just for long periods of time to get used to your feet get used to the mental game practice the hydration and nutrition aspects of it and when we're there we're going to cut intensity a little bit probably significantly for most people so figure out where you are in your training cycle what your background is and that will help you prioritize a little bit for where we need to go at the moment and then last prioritize recovery (laughs) i will say this Forever. Um, if you recover better, you can train less. For one, like this means eating enough food. If you are not eating enough to fuel your training or like support the recovery from your training, you're not going to get the adaptations you are trying to get. This requires you to eat enough protein to support your the rebuilding of your muscles. It requires you to eat enough carbs to support whatever your current intensity is that might be high, might be a little lower. And it requires like enough micronutrients, so good food quality across the board. So we get things like magnesium and calcium to help with energy production and bone repair and all of that. We need to eat well and enough to support training. It also requires you to get enough quality sleep. So you need things like deep sleep and REM sleep to actually recover from the training you did and prepare for the next day. If you are not sleeping enough or at all and you're in a heavy training cycle, you're constantly going to be trying to dig yourself out of a hole and that's when you're likely going to end up injured. You're going to keep training more because you'll be frustrated that you aren't making progress and then eventually you're going to end up being forced to take a day off. So, if you're tired, you might need to take an unplanned rest day because a day off could prevent a week off I mean a week off could prevent a month off It is not an excuse to be lazy but it's like prioritizing progress over more more is not always better better is better so we need to be able to train enough to hit our goals and then recover from that training one of the most important questions I tend to ask new athletes when they come to me is how much time do you have to train daily because one, I don't want to mess up their life, like family's important, jobs are important, and it needs to fit. And then if you don't have time to actually recover, we're not going to jam in this like 10-hour training week when you only have eight hours in your week. We need to make it work for you. And then I guess I guess I had six. So this is a little bonus one. Um, spend time practicing all the like extra skills, the extraneous stuff that can save you a ton of time on race day. So I heard Carl Meltzer say one time that one of the easiest ways to improve race performance is to reduce your time at aid stations. And that's very true. If we can reduce the time it takes us to do the little stuff, then we will see marked improvements in our time and our performance. For example, when I was cycling a lot, I got really fast at changing a bike tire. Because when you're road cycling in Tucson, Arizona, you get a go head in your bike tire like once a week. So you get really good at changing tires. And it saved me a lot of time as I built that skill. Same with ultra running. You don't need to slam through every aid station, but Make it so you know how to get your bottles in and out of your pack fairly quickly, so you can take it off so that you're able to get it open. Say hi to the people, chat, thank you to the volunteers, but if you're worried about cutoffs, you can reduce your stress by getting in and out of the aid station fairly quickly. Even if you need to rest and like make adjustments or maybe do something to your feet, adjust shoes, you can make things faster by being well organized. Don't just jam all your shit into your bag, make everything fairly easy to find. Make it all divided, make everything really easy to access so that your time is effective. Don't jam bottles into places that fit, get good at getting them in and out. And then, aside from the aid stations, like prioritize your time while running too. Like Take a second to think about if what you're doing makes any sense. The other day I was running and I didn't want to stop, I was in a, in a groove, so I ended up fighting a bottle out of my hydration pack for, like, the better part of... God, it must have been a quarter mile. I could have stopped for, like, five seconds and been done. Instead, I probably added, like, two minutes to my run because I messed up my gait and got all wonky while I was trying to fight this bottle out of my chest. Just have the cognizance to notice when you're doing something a little silly. Take a second, handle it, and then move forward. Stopping for three seconds could actually save you a couple of minutes. So that's kind of what I got to, to recap. Um, make the most of your run training like don't put yourself in a metabolic denzo- dead zone strength training should be effective and efficient and it should be scaled in, order, um, in proportion to your run training if you're running more you're probably strength training less. Cut all the stuff you don't need while stuff like tendon strengthening or saunas or 800 repeats might help you. If they don't, don't waste your time on them. Um, Prioritize your training in forms of like frequency, volume, and intensity, and don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like, get in a run fairly frequently, and then add volume and intensity as you're able and as needed. Prioritize your recovery, because if you're not recovering, you're not actually getting the benefits of training. You're just running. You're not actually getting better at running and then spend a little time on all the extraneous skills that go into an ultra. So that's what I have for you today That is like six ways to optimize training kind of reduce your time in training and on the course if anything I kind of use this as time creation because if we can get better at this we actually create more time in the day. So that's kinda of what I got if you have any questions please shoot me a message I'd love to talk to you about this stuff. Next week I'm gonna get together, some stuff on strength training, and I'm going to be dropping a hydration guide here soon. So keep an eye on the group, invite your friends. Thanks for being here, and I'll be back next week with more stuff. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.